Good morning. morning. I guess it's afternoon. (laughs) That just is an indication of how long I'm planning on going. (laughs) When's my time? Well, it's 3.20, so 4.20. Okay. Two, two, yeah. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna, uh, correct that, you know, just 420. Are you guys ready? Got your receivers, your ears turned open, and your hearts ready to receive what the Lord's doing in you today? That's good because this day is a day that is going to make a difference in your life. And I'm just telling you that the Lord had told me that you guys, this generation, is, has been prepared for this hour and season in the earth. And that the Lord has looked forward to this generation with joy, knowing what this generation would witness and bring into the earth. And so you working with the Lord, it's important that you understand that I'm not just like some of the earlier generations that are being raised to live in comfort. No, I'm of those that are going to be nation shakers, kingdom changers, bringing the kingdom of light into the planet that we live on. And expect, fully expect that the Lord is going to use you in ways that go way past your imagination even. Understand and remember that it's not about you, right? It's about Jesus. It's about the kingdom, about what He wants to accomplish. We're just completely thrilled to be a part of it and that we get to be named as one of the children of God, one of the workers of God. Open your Bible with me, if you would, to the book of Acts. You know, the book of Acts, it's about the acts of the early church. That's, that's why it's named that way. The actions. The actions of the early church. And um, we're going to look at something here in the book of Acts. And I want everyone to really be listening with your heart today, especially our young people, our young adults, wherever you're sitting in the building. And go over to uh, Acts chapter 29. Can you find Acts chapter 29? Yes, right here. That's right. I have in my Bible, I have written Acts 29 as the very next place. And then I have dot, dot, dot. Because it's being written. See, we're just in Acts chapter 2021. That's where we're at. And in the pages of heaven... You guys, this generation is writing and continuing to write the book of Acts in heaven in the historical records. And I believe with all my heart that we're going to look back when we're all there. We're going to be able to look back and remember we'll be able to see the things that took place and there'll be record of it. And there's going to be rejoicing about it. And you see what God did? Isn't that so amazing? Remember, remember when the Lord did this? You know, it's in, in Ephesians, it says that the Lord's going to show us through the ages. 
He's going to be showing us the glories of the Lord. I think it's going to take an extremely long time for Him to show us everything that took place. Everything that happened. All the ripple effects of obeying the Lord. And so, um, if, you, if you would, this time turn over to Acts chapter 6. Not Acts. Um, Isaiah chapter 6. We'll get it right eventually. Isaiah chapter 6, and this is a story of Isaiah as, as a young man. He was, the Lord called him into ministry, and we're just going to start reading in verse 1, and we'll read this story about what happened. In Isaiah 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. So he's having a vision. I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were sent, those are like angels of some type. Seraphim were standing above him. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, so they're calling to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices and the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, woe is me. So this is Isaiah now talking. He says, woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Basically what he's saying is, oh man, I know how, how all the things that I've done, all the wrong I've done. I know how unqualified I am. That's what he's saying. And so, what was the response? It says, then one of the seraphim flew to me. In his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, look, this has touched your lips. Your wickedness is removed. Your sin is atoned for. We know that's what the blood of Jesus does for us. Just like this coal. Completely removes our not being qualified. Alright? He goes on, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who should I send? The Lord's asking that question. Who should I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responded, he said, Here I am. Send me. How many of you up here in the whole house, how many of you are willing to say, Lord, send me. Alright, if you're willing for the Lord to send you, let's just say that. Say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Use me for your purpose, for your glory, for your kingdom. Amen. You know what amen means, guys? So be it. That's right. You're just adding your agreement with it. You know, the Lord has strong desire to send you. The Lord has not only a strong desire to send you, this generation, but He needs you to be able to accomplish what He wants to accomplish in the earth. You know, He, he needs His people to cooperate with Him. To do what He's supposed to do and what He's planning on doing into the earth. In Isaiah chapter 1, I mean, Isaiah, I got my references all backwards today. Acts chapter 1. Now let's go back to Acts and let's start at the beginning. And I want to show you a verse there in Acts chapter 1. In verse 8, 
says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. See, when you receive Jesus as your Lord, the Holy Spirit's in you. And then at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, He comes on you. Sometimes it happens all at the same time, but often it's two separate events. But then something happens. Power also comes on you after the Holy Spirit has come on you. And he said, and Jesus made this statement to the disciples, and it's no different for you and I. He says, and you will be my witnesses. What is a witness? Have any of you guys, have you ever looked and watched a courtroom? And you see there's witnesses, there's lawyers, there's a judge, there's the people watching. A witness is a person who who saw something. He saw and heard something. That's what a witness is. And in a courtroom, when the witness is called to testify, that's what it's called, he comes and he says, well, here's what I saw. Here's what I heard. This is what I saw happen. And he testifies to the truth. I mean, they even take oaths and they're supposed to say, you know, the truth, whole truth, and so help me God, all of that. So now Jesus is saying to the disciples, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to witness what you saw and heard. Well, you and I, we can't witness what the disciples saw and heard because we weren't there. But you know what we can witness? Be a witness to? It's what I myself have seen and heard. What you have seen and heard. You know, you have something that's completely unique that no one else has quite like yours. That's your testimony. Nobody else has your testimony. You are the only one with that particular testimony on the whole planet. And that testimony is your witness about who Jesus is, what He's done for me, how He delivered me, how He touched me. There's the prayer that He answered for me. You are a witness to those things of what He has done for you. Then, then Jesus went on. To, he said to the disciples, you're going to be My witnesses in Jerusalem, that was their home, or where they were at, I should say. And then in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And so they were to be witnesses as they went. And I said a little bit ago that the Lord is dependent upon you and I to still be that witness. You know, Jesus isn't walking the earth anymore. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and He depends on you and I to be His mouthpiece and to tell people. It doesn't mean we're all going to be preachers. It doesn't mean we're all going to stand in a pulpit. But we are going to proclaim to tell that witness of the good news. I have witnessed. And then we tell them the good news. You know, I read this verse yesterday in Romans 10. 13 and 14 where it says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he asks a series of questions. How can they be saved if they don't believe? And how can they believe if they don't hear? And how can they hear if someone doesn't go tell it? So that whole chain of events needs to take place in the earth today, right? And so, that's where you and I and all of us in here, we have got work to do and that's to tell Tell about Him. Tell the good news. Now, what I want to really get across to you today is that you can have confidence. 
When you open your mouth and when you tell someone that Jesus is good, Jesus loves you, He loves me, He did this for me, you can have confidence that God is going to put power and life into those words. Even when you don't feel powerful, when you don't feel like, man, I got this wild testimony, when it's just a simple, basic thing, the Lord is able to just absolutely breathe life into those words. And we're going to look at Scriptures and examples of this happening. And those words can just go bam, right into the person's heart and bring revelation. Cause them to see and understand and know things they just couldn't see and understand and know before. That's called revelation. And that's what we are going to look at today so that I want you to understand that you can have boldness. You can have boldness and you can have confidence that your words aren't falling like dust to the ground. That they will stand and that they will accomplish something. So just think for a little bit. Think, well, what has Jesus done for me? Well, He delivered me from hell. You know, if you've made Him the Lord of your life, He's delivered you from hell. He has, has given you life and peace and joy. He's given you the Spirit of God to live inside of you. He's given you access to God. Right? That at any point, you can just come to Him with whatever problem you have and say, you know, Daddy, I need your help. And tell Him about it. And He'll be there to hear and then to give you that help that you're needing. It's a very simple good news, right? So what has He done for you? That's what you can tell. That's what you get to share with others. Go with me to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. And maybe some of you here feel kind of like Jeremiah did when he was first called. You know, Jeremiah was young and um, he, he made some excuses and we're going to look at that. And uh, he just felt like he wasn't qualified either. In Jeremiah chapter 1, let's begin reading in verse 6, says, The word of the Lord came to me. And this was what God said to him. He said, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So that was what the Lord said. Look at verse 6. Jeremiah says, but I protested. Oh no, Lord God. Look, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. Sometimes we feel that way. It's like, I don't even know how to talk. I'm not a public speaker. I'm just young. I'm too young. No one will take me seriously. What was the Lord's response to this? Let's see, what did the Lord say? Then the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth. Don't say I'm too young. Don't say who am I that people would hear me. Don't say that. Why would the Lord say that? Because see, the Lord's going to help you. Now, when you speak words of life to someone, maybe it's your brother or sister, maybe it's a, a friend, maybe it's a stranger on the street, but when you speak life to them, when you encourage them, when you give them the Word of God, when you love on them with the love of God, those words are absolutely just empowered with the very presence of God. And so that's why God's saying, man, don't think you're too little. Don't think that no one will listen to you. In fact, he says, he, he says here to Jeremiah, he says, you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid. See that? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of anyone 
for I will be with you to deliver you. This is the Lord's declaration. And then in verse 9, then the Lord reached out His hand and touched my mouth and told me, look, I have filled your mouth with words. I have filled your mouth with words. So if you're wondering, well, what, what, what should I say? Look, the Lord will fill your mouth with words. Just like He did to Jeremiah. He's just as interested in this generation, in our church today, I'm saying the church across the world, in the, the church today being a mouthpiece for Him as He was of Jeremiah being a mouthpiece for Him. You know, we have the Great Commission. Go into all the world and baptize and make disciples and teach and, and declare the Gospel. So we have standing orders. You know what a standing order is? It means an order that's still there. had not gone away. It still applies. A standing order to accomplish that Great Commission. The Lord said to me, if you look down in verse 12, then the Lord says to him, I'm watching over my... Now, where did He say He would put His words? He said He'd put it in His mouth. So the Lord will put His words in your mouth. And then what, what does He say down in verse 12? He says, I'm watching over my word to accomplish it. That means He's going to empower those words that He gives you to speak. He's going to enable, enable life in those words. Remember the prophet Samuel? He was just a young boy when the Lord called him, right? He was just real young. And the Lord spoke to him and he goes, you know, here I am, Lord. And, and they had this whole conversation and he showed him a lot of things. And then it says this, it says, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. He let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Like his words had the power of God in them. And God watches over His Word to accomplish it. And when the Lord gives you something, speak it out in confidence. Declare. You know, you can always tell someone that Jesus loves them. You know, the Father loves you. He has a plan for you. He wants relationship with you. You're just saying what He's said. But those words are carrying the power of God inside of them that continue to work long after you are gone and away and somewhere else. And they're at home laying on their bed. And there's the power of God. In those words still. He also said this about Samuel. He said, the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. And there, He revealed Himself to Samuel. And then it tells us how He did it. It says, through His Word. He revealed Himself to Samuel through His Word. It's important that you guys know the Word. Know what the Word says. Memorize it, right? Read it. Be aware of what it says. You know, I have this little game I like to play um, with myself every night. My my two girls they have this uh, this this Bible audio Bible thing that they listen to that they like to go to sleep listening to every night. And so I don't know. They choose the random spots throughout all the Bible and, and they play it. And then before I go to bed, I come into their room and shut it off and go to bed because now they're asleep, right? They're not listening to it. So I have this game I like to play as I come in and just hear like one or two sentences before I shut it off that I can hear one or two sentences and go, I know where that is in the Word. That's in this book and about this chapter. And I, you know, it's just a fun little game I play with myself. 
But what is that? That means I've had to read the Word, right? I've had to get the Word inside of me and, and know what the Word is and be familiar with the stories. And what does all of that do? It helps me to know the character of God. Know who God is. This is how God operates. This is His reasons. This is His plan. This is His purpose in the earth. And I won't know any of that if I don't make an effort to get in and read the Bible. What does it say? Or listen to it. There's audio programs that you can listen to it. And so, like Jeremiah, we have a commission. It's called the Great Commission. Jeremiah's wasn't called the Great Commission. He had a commission, but this one's much bigger. And that is to take the Gospel to the whole world. In fact, Jesus said in Mark 16, He said, go, everyone say go, go into all the world. That's not leaving any place out. Go into all the world and do what? It says preach the Gospel, the good news. And by preach, it means to proclaim, to tell it. Don't think have to be an ordained minister. That's not what He's saying. To tell the good news. What has Jesus done for you? And then he goes and he makes, it makes this comment at the end of Mark 16. It says, and they went out, so they obeyed, and they preached everywhere. They told everywhere they went, every place they went, they were being a witness. This is what I've witnessed. This is what I've seen. This, here's what God has done for me. Here's what God would love to do for you. Or has already done for you in the case of the cross and salvation, right? And um, it says that the Lord working with them, confirming the Word by the accompanying signs. So there was miracles happening. The Lord was confirming what they said. The witness that they were, the Lord would empower those words and cause life and miracles to take place because they opened their mouth and spoke. You know, we have to give the Gospel an opportunity. If we keep our mouth shut, the Lord doesn't even have opportunity with them. So the results belong to the Lord, right? The results are His responsibility. But it's you and, I's op- you and I's responsibility to give the Lord an opportunity. And we don't want to decide for other people whether or not they will accept what we're saying, do we? We want to say, you know what? I'm going to present it and then let the Lord deal with their heart and bring revelation. I remember, um, you know, we sometimes we call it planting seeds. When you speak truth to someone, you say, I'm planting a seed in your heart. You know how when you plant a seed, it doesn't just grow overnight the first day and there's a big plant, but it takes time. That seed dies and a week or two later, now you begin to see a little tiny sprout. And then over the course of time, all summer long, the plant grows into a huge corn stalk or whatever and bears fruit. Well, it's the same way with our words. You know, we often we say something and we want it to happen immediately, but there needs to be some time that passes and that for that that seed to be watered, maybe by somebody else, or maybe you're doing the watering, the encouraging. But the Lord is the one who is breathing life on that seed and causing it to grow when you've spoken it. I tell you a story about a guy I was out walking along the seashore. And um, there was someone there that was fishing. And he had his line out in the water. And he looked to be about my age. And, and so I stop and I talk to him. And we ask him, you know, are, are the fish biting? No, no, that he hasn't caught anything. And, 
And so then I told him, well, he should cast it on the other side. <laughs> but that was way too far away, right? We were in Florida, so he didn't want to cross the state. So uh, we go on and we begin to talk about bait and, and you know, just having a conversation, right? I didn't just walk up and start preaching to him. I just walked up and was interested in him and about him. And um, so pretty soon, I, I, after we had talked for a bit, I, I said to him, I said, you know, has anyone ever told you that Jesus loves you? And he goes, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not interested in any of that. I don't believe there is a God. You know, this ocean, see this beautiful ocean? He goes, this ocean is what I worship. This is my church. This is, this is my God, this ocean. And so, you know, I didn't stand there and say, well, well you're a loser and you're wrong and, and you're on your way to hell. I didn't say any of that to him. Instead, I just turned and looked out to the water and I said, you know what? I said, uh, you are correct. That is really beautiful out there. I said, this is such a beautiful spot down here and the ocean is beautiful. And, and you know, we, the color of fish, you know how many color of fish and coral are out there? It's just amazing. This is what I'm saying to him. I said, has it ever occurred to you that that kind of spectacular beauty couldn't have just happened by itself? Someone would have had to make it. And maybe the one that made that beauty is the one that deserves our true worship. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't do any of that. I said, okay. I said, <laughs> and uh, I just went back to talking about fishing and about him and about his life. And he was from Poland and asking him questions about his family. And as I turned to go some minutes later, I shook his hand and I just said, sir, would you, would you do something, please? If you ever reach the point in your life where you're wondering, maybe, just what if Jesus is real? Just what if? There really is a God. If you ever reach that place in your life, would you please pray and ask God to show Himself to you? To show, is there really a God? Is Jesus really real? I said, and He will absolutely show you. And he's wearing sunglasses. I can't see his eyes, right? I'm just talking to him. And um, he goes, yeah, yeah. He paused for a moment first. He said, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And then he wouldn't let go of my hand. So we're standing there. He still has me by the hand. And he lifts up his sunglasses so I can look into his eyes. And he goes, no, I mean really. I'm going to do that. And so I turned and walked on down the shoreline. And you know, I don't know whatever happened with this guy. But I can pray for him. I can lift him up to the Lord. And I know that the words that I spoke to him, like sand in his shoe, if you walk in a shoe with sand in it, long enough it creates a blister. Makes a sore spot. Put it like this, it gets your attention, right? It begins to really get your attention. Well, when you put sand in their shoe by giving them the love of Jesus, right? Give it a little bit of time and it's going to get their attention. And God's going to empower those words and they're going to come to life. You know, something that the Father said to, to Jeremiah, when he had called Jeremiah, and then, then later in about chapter 5, I think it is, he says to Jeremiah, he says, I am making my words in your mouth a fire, and this people would. I'm making you fire and them would. Well, what happens when you bring fire and wood together? Right? The wood bursts into flames. And in this particular case, he was talking to Jeremiah about judgment, but we also know that the Holy Spirit is a type of fire. 
or He's likened to fire. The Word says that our God is a consuming fire. So when you speak out words of life, when you speak out truth, when you love on someone, when you tell them, here's what I've experienced from Jesus. Here's what I've experienced from the Father. Those words are becoming fire and the people that you're talking to, they're going to be wood. And you may not see them burst into flames right there, but give it a few days. Give it a few weeks. Pray for them after you leave. And allow that those words to set them on fire. And to begin to burn. Again, to Jeremiah, more encouragement that the Lord said to him. He said, this is in chapter 23, verse 29. He says, is not my word like fire? Is not God, Look, I'm making your words fire. I'm making them wood. And then he goes, is not my words like fire? This is the Lord's declaration. And like a hammer that just pulverizes rock. A hammer that just smashes rock. Busts it into tiny little pieces and dust. That's what God's Word is like. So even when you come up against someone that you believe is just completely hard-hearted, completely stone-cold, and just nothing, allow the fire of your words to warm them. Allow the hammer of those words, and I don't mean by yelling at them, right? But I'm talking about the power that God's putting inside those words. Allow that to absolutely break off that stone. You know, one of the things that the Lord said in the Old Testament was He said, I'm going to take away their stony hearts and give them hearts of flesh. And this is accomplished by the Word of God coming in and pulverizing that stone. Romans, let's go over to Romans chapter 1. In verse 16, Romans 1.16, this is a verse that all of you should memorize. Take the time to memorize it if you haven't already. It says, for I am not ashamed... Someone say, I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ. And then he makes this statement. He says, I am not ashamed of the Gospel, that's the good news, of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. When you share your testimony of salvation, when you share with them what Jesus has done for them, what God has made available to them, when you share this to someone, man, the very power of God is present right there. The power of God is present to open up their blind eyes to see. You know, uh, Paul said that the God of this world, that's the devil, blinds the eyes of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the Gospel. But when you speak truth, when you speak what Jesus has done for them, boom, the power of God comes right in and begins to open eyes and give them revelation. They can see light that they just couldn't see before. And you will make that difference. As I said before, give, give the Gospel an opportunity. Give the Lord opportunity to touch them. Let's go over to Luke 24 and let's look at an example of how the power of God is in Words, Luke 24. And this is a story of the resurrection morning. So Jesus resurrected, and you know, the ladies ran down there, they saw it, they went back and told some of the others, disciples run down, they see the tomb is empty. And so now it's a little bit later in the day. 
We're going to look at in Luke 24. It's the last chapter of Luke. And we're going to look at verse 13. It says, Now that same day two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus Himself came near and began to walk along with them. But, it says, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing Him. So they, they don't realize it's Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus. They're just walking along having a conversation. This other fellow shows up is walking beside them. And then Jesus asked them, He said, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. And the one named Cleopas, now just an interesting note here for you Bible scholars, the, uh, this guy and, and the guy that's with him were, are John Gill says that they are the uh, part of the 70. They weren't the 12. They were part of the 70 disciples. And in fact, so this guy here, Cleopas, is supposedly um, the brother to Joseph. Jesus, Joseph and Mary. So he'd be Jesus' uncle. right? But either way, they're walking down the road and they don't recognize Jesus. He's just walking with them. Because their eyes are, are prevented from seeing Him. So let's watch what happens. Verse 18, Then the one named Cleopas answered Him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things? So first Jesus asks, what are you guys talking about? And so they, you don't know what's going on? What's going on? So they said to Him the things concerning Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed Him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified Him. But we were hoping that He was the one who was about to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb and when they didn't find His body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said He was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Him. So see, they don't know what's going on. All that they know is the, the, their champion, the guy they were following, the guy that did all this amazing stuff, he, we, we watched Him be crucified and killed and, and put into the tomb, and now they're saying He's not in the tomb anymore, so I don't know what the Romans did with Him or where they took Him or what's going on. And to them, all hope has been lost. And let's watch here. In verse 25, He said to them, How unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. How slow are you guys? He's asking. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into His glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted for them the things concerning Himself in all the Scriptures. So, how, does, how is He going to convince them? With the Word. He goes right back to the Word, the Word that they had. See, they didn't have the New Testament like we do, but they had the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. So He goes right back to the Word and begins to explain the Word to them. And He is, isn't the power of God available in those words when they're spoken? Spoken. See, He's planting seeds. He's putting, he's putting words into them and something's going to happen inside of these guys here in just a little bit. 
Then they came near the village where they were going and he gave the impression that he was going further. But they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening and, and now the day is almost over so he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. See, that's revelation. Divine, supernatural revelation from God. Their eyes were opened and they recognized Him, but He disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, listen, weren't our hearts ablaze within us while He was talking with us on the road? See what the words were doing inside of Him? As He spoke to them, the power of God is in those words. And man, what did He say to Jeremiah? He said, my word is like fire and they're like wood. My word is like fire and a hammer that pulverizes a rock. Well, as Jesus spoke words to them, their hearts are burning within them. There's a blaze within them. And then they said, as He opened or explained the Scripture to us. See, when you bring Word of God to someone, the same effect will happen to them. But don't look on the outside for signs that it's happening. Just do what you know to do. Give the Lord opportunity and let him let the results with Him. Then that very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem and went and told the good news to, to their friends. Let's look at one more example. Acts chapter 2. This is now the day of Pentecost, right? Jesus has resurrected and now... He has ascended to heaven on the cloud. The Holy Ghost came down on everyone. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in other tongues. All of this happened. A big crowd gathers together because they're hearing this ruckus. They're wondering what's going on. And this huge crowd forms. And now understand, this crowd did not come to go to church. This crowd did not come there because they were hungry for the Lord. They didn't come there expecting something from the Lord. They just came because they were curious of what's the noise? What's the ruckus? What are they looking at over there? Let's go see what they're looking at. You know how a crowd gathers. And so understand, they didn't come expecting that the Lord's going to touch us today. They just were there. And all through your life, you're going to run across people. You're going to come across people that are just there. They didn't come expecting something from the Lord, but that doesn't mean that they won't go away without something from the Lord. You know why? Because you're there. Because you are carrying the light of God in you, and as you speak, God puts His power into your words, and they will absolutely touch these people. Well, let's see what happens here in verse 36. Well, Peter begins in verse 17 to preach to them. And he really preaches a pretty short message. I mean, it only takes a few couple minutes to read his entire message. And so it doesn't, you don't have to be, say a lot of words for it to get into their heart. It can be short. Let's look at verse 36 and see what happened. What was the result of him just preaching and being a witness, saying, here's what we saw, here's what happened, here's who he is, here's who Jesus is. Verse 36 says, therefore let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. 
There's so much power in your words when you say Jesus is Lord. When you declare that. When you proclaim that. Jesus, the Son of God, He is Lord. He is the Messiah. Verse 37 says, When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what must we do? What's happening here? Right? The Word that was spoken is like a fire. And they're like wood. And fire is starting to burn, right? On the inside of them. Their hearts are ablaze. They're pierced. They're like... The Word's found the mark. And they're saying... What should we do? And so he gives them the answer. He says, repent. That means change. Change from your ways. Be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus the Messiah for the forgiveness of your sins. See, he's explaining it. Why? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and all who are afar off and as many as the Lord will call. Well, the Lord's called everybody. So it's our responsibility to make sure they hear. Because how can they believe if they don't hear? How will they hear if no one tells them? Later in the, in the book of Acts, along about chapter 19, I believe it is, it says that the Word, the Word of God grew mightily and prevailed. The Word. You know, they had to say it. They had to say it. And then that Word continued to work in people's hearts. And God continued to put power into those words. And those words continued to bear fruit in the people's hearts and lives. And it grew mightily and it prevailed. So let's be like the prophet Micah. You know, you can, your words have a big effect on you too. Not just on the other people who hear it. Because guess what? Unlike everybody else, you hear every word you say. Sometimes people aren't listening. But if you said it, you heard it. Right? So sometimes it's just good to speak to ourselves. And to use those words. Because your words carry power. And speak to yourself. And declare things over yourself. That's why we, we so often say, repeat after me. You know, I am this and I am that. Because your words really matter to, to what's going on in here. And so the prophet Micah, he, he would say this. He would say, he said, as for me, I am filled with power by the Spirit of God with justice and courage. So let's say that together. It says, as for me, I am filled with power by the Spirit of the Lord with justice and courage to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the whole world. And remember, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power. That power is in your words. When you open your mouth and speak, the power of God is present to bring change. Present. And a sound mind belongs to you. I'm going to close with one more verse. Well, maybe three more, but in Matthew 28, Three verses together. And it's, it's what we call the Great Commission in Matthew. And in this place in Matthew, Jesus delivers to the disciples their assignment. But it's an assignment that doesn't just stop with the disciples. It has continued on every generation down to yours. And it's, He said this. He said, then Jesus came to them and said, this is in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. 
So now it's in this authority that he makes the next statement. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's every people group. It's really what that word means. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now check out this next part. This is what I wanted you to hear. And look. Jesus is saying to them, look, listen, pay attention. I am with you always. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We haven't reached the end of the age yet. Right? No. So that means He's still with us. Always. He's still with you. Always. And when you open your mouth to share that, hey, you know what? Jesus loves you. You know, God would really like to bless you. Did you know that God answers my prayers when I pray? Is there anything in your life that you need prayer for that you would need from God? I'll pray for you. And give God opportunity to just reach that person that you're talking to. So who can say, here am I. Send me, and the Lord will. All right. Whoever is.